This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Any flexes muscles on new supercomputer. And new systems in Belgium and Australia. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, we've got... News from a supercomputer already installed, one that's going in now, and another that's in the planning process. But I want to start with the largest known commercial supercomputer out there at any, the Italian oil and gas company. We talked about this supercomputer last January when it was installed in an episode about three, four months ago. And now they've put it to work, and they're pumping out reservoir simulations at record speeds. Yeah, according to the announcement, they've employed this high-resolution model for uh, a deep water reservoir, and they simulated basically 100,000 different instances of, uh, of, uh, of, this, of this model, and they were able to, to run those to completion in less than 15 hours, or maybe in a little more than 15 hours, using all the GPUs on that system. Now, if you remember when we talked about it in January, this was a very GPU-heavy system, on this 18.6 petaflop machine, they've got 3,200 P100 GPUs from NVIDIA on that the machine. And for this particular application where they had basically 100,000 models to run, they used all of the GPUs serially. And each, uh, I think each of the simulations took a little less than half an hour. And they were able to run through all 100,000 instances in about 15 hours. Yeah, that's according to their press release. They took their single high-resolution model of one deep re- water reservoir that had 5.7 million cells in the simulation, and then they're taking that through these different 100,000, as you were saying, different geological realizations and assigning each one to a single GPU, which then each GPU took 28 minutes to simulate 15 years of production of that reservoir. And when they talk about these different geological realizations, what that makes me think of is that it's very similar to what we get with econometric modeling for risk profiles in the finance industry, where they'll take a given portfolio and run it through hundreds of thousands or millions of different worldwide risk scenarios. If the markets do this, if the markets do that, this is now taking that sensibility to reservoir simulation where the earth, a lot of different things can go on geologically. And we want to get a sense of the risk involved or and what's the optimal way to manage this reservoir over 15 years of production. Right. Basically they're saying they're modeling well if we if we drill here and put a well here or put a well here and then uh, push this forward for over 15 years how well is, are those hydrocarbons going to flow through that reservoir and up through those wells and so they're trying to optimize obviously where to put those wells to get the most extraction for the most number of years over that uh, over that period um, so it's not like they have a hundred thousand different you know, reservoirs or anything like that. It's basically they're using different, you know, drilling scenarios, if you will, on this reservoir just to maximize production on something they they already have. Um, so this is very valuable for a company like any. Obviously, 
uh, it's very expensive to drill these wells. The reservoir is very expensive. They want to optimize the production and, and do that as cheaply as possible. So something like this is sort of critical for their business. And the fact that they're able to use basically the whole machine they bought, uh, you know, it says they, they, uh, they're, they're getting some real value out of the system they, they just put in. We mentioned on this week in HPC back in January that we expect that on the next top 500 list at the ISC conference, a uh, little over a month from now, we expect that this will be officially enshrined as the current known most powerful commercial supercomputer. And the oil and gas industry often has that claim where they will push uh, just behind the national labs in terms of the greatest scalability of some of these codes. Now, we say greatest known. Uh, it's certainly possible. A lot of companies choose not to submit to top 500 or make their supercomputing purchases known public. So there could be another oil and gas company or or another company in another industry that, that actually uh, has a more powerful one. This is ignoring hyperscale installations at places like Google and Facebook. That's really a, a different category and not real supercomputing. We call that in the in the uh, hyperscale industry. But as far as the HPC industry goes, this is the biggest one we know about. Yeah, it is the biggest one we know about. And yeah, it could there could be another oil and gas company out there that uh, has purchased a large one or even a financial services company um, who, are, who usually are very uh, circumspect about what they've got installed. But uh, I suspect this is the largest one. It's sort of, <laughs> in a way, it's sort of hard to hide these large systems, and especially if there's already one out there uh, making news like this. Well, speaking of other systems making news, Michael, also this week in HPC, we have HPE sending a new AI supercomputer to uh, Belgium. This is the Flemish Supercomputer Center, also known as the Flam Supercomputed Centrum in, uh, in Flemish Dutch. But they've got a new supercomputer going into Belgium. Yeah, this is a much smaller system. It's 600 teraflops, so it's basically not even going to be a top 500 uh, supercomputer on this list. And even though they call it an AI supercomputer, they're going to also use this almost certainly for general purpose high-performance computing. Some of the nodes on, on this are CPU only, whereas only a portion of those are going to have the GPUs where you would assume they're going to, they're going to run the AI or, or machine learning code. So this is uh, a mixed, certainly a mixed application supercomputer. And when you when you talk about a you know relatively small supercomputing center uh, at the Flemish supercomputing center, you figure they're going to get uh, you know sort of the bang for the buck out of this, and not just uh, uh, focus on the the one application area. Although that's the one they did talk about in the in the press release. Well, that's the hot area right now, and we have big, we have AI supercomputers getting installed right now, just like we had big data supercomputers getting installed five years ago, and supercomputer grids getting installed before that. It's it's what we can get funding for right now, and I agree with you. This is a general purpose supercomputer that has AI in the title because that's the PR friendly term. I was talking with Chris Willard, our chief research officer, about this very thing yesterday, and the boost that we're seeing in some of the public sector spending, particularly government-funded systems, um, coming into uh, coming into the market not only last year but in the over the course of the next forecast as a result of 
not only AI, which is, I think, providing a bit of a boost, but um, really an increase in nationalism that's going along with that. We were just talking last week on this podcast about the UK and the need uh, to be a world leader in AI. And uh, here we're talking about Belgium. I can't think of the last time we talked about Belgium on this podcast. And uh, this really has been a motivator for uh, government-funded supercomputing uh, across the world. Yeah, and, and uh, in the case of Belgium, the Flemish Supercomputing Center, there is a fairly recent uh, system that was that was procured just uh, a year or so ago. So this is, in a, in a sense, sort of an extra system. Certainly the 20 nodes that they outfitted with the NVIDIA Tesla P100 GPUs, uh, that seems like an add-on only for AI. I mean, if that application sort of hadn't emerged over the last uh, half decade, you sort of imagine this money uh, might have not got spent on those on those nodes, at least maybe not on the whole system, given that they had a fairly late model uh, uh, supercomputer already running in that center. Yeah, that other system uh, is codenamed code Brainiac uh, after uh, it, they took uh, ENIAC, which uh, it locally is pronounced more like ENIAC and added a BR in the front. So it's Brainiac. That's kind of a fun system. This new one is going to be called Genius. They're both about the same size in that 600 teraflop range, which, as right. you mentioned, is probably going to be just below the bottom of the top 500 list. But it's one of those that does probably clear the hurdle into our supercomputer segment of a system over $1.5 million. Right. And we should say for the, uh, even though it's about 600 teraflops, you know, 64 bit speaking, the, for the AI applications, they use the lower precision. So for those GPU nodes, even though there's only 20 of them, they, they basically can uh, provide about 1.7 petaflops uh, of sort of half precision uh flops out of that system, um, which is quite a bit more in the, in the Brainiac system. I don't think there's any GPUs. So this is uh, definitely something they're going to be able to do something useful with on the machine learning front. That's a fairly decent amount of flops for, uh, for those machine learning types of codes. And I was talking about government-funded systems. This is actually an academic supercomputer, although I think there's government funding behind it. Uh, the Flemish Supercomputer Center, this is actually hosted at, the, at a research university, uh, KU Leuven, uh, which is uh, in uh, northern Belgium. Right, and they do a variety of, of scientific research there, molecular modeling, engineering, physics, chemistry, climate, and, and so on. So uh, this machine will get a good workout across all those domains and uh, wherever machine learning sort of intersects with some of those applications, they'll be able to use it for that as well. Now, let's get one more quick one in here. Since we're talking about new supercomputers, uh, we have an announcement from the Pawsey Supercomputing Center in Australia that they're going to put up $70 million for new HPC infrastructure. Right. They just got this money allocated from the federal government, and they're going to use it to replace uh, two older machines, both of them Cray machines, one an XC40 machine called Magnus, the other an XC30 machine called Galaxy. Um, they were installed, uh, the Magnus machine was installed in 2014, the Galaxy in 2013, so they're getting a little bit old. So the $70 million, Australian dollars, will go to replace those systems. Um, I think the only question is, will the 
whether they'll use one system or two systems. They seem like, even even though they have slightly different application sets for those two machines, it seems like they would just combine it and buy a, a new XC40 or perhaps an XC50 from Cray if they stick with Cray, which seems like they would, and use the whole 70 million uh, money to do that single procurement, but we'll see. Well, I think there could be reason to split it into two systems in particular if there's a notion of supporting multiple architectures. Uh, and, uh, you know, that would provide an argument for even if you had a primary system and a secondary system. The last time they were buying these, uh, there wasn't as much architectural diversity as there is right now. So I would disagree with you a little bit and say that there might be some motivation for that amount of money to provide at least two approaches. Uh, I suppose that could be done under one umbrella system, but I think you're going to see something heterogeneous going into Pawsey. Yeah, it's possible, but just the history there uh, might might suggest they're not going to do that. Now, I should say the Galaxy system was mainly used for radio astronomy research. They were doing sort of real-time processing or something close to real-time processing of the data streamed from one of the, um, the uh, square kilometer array type telescopes that they, they work on down there. So that would be a motivation to have a slightly different architecture, but they could actually end up putting that in one system and sort of hiving that off uh, it, for certain workloads. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, those the application diversity could suggest they, they could buy two systems, but it's a lot cheaper to procure and manage one system. Um, 70 million is a lot of money, but they're only going to be able to get, I should say only, you know, about... Uh, you know, several petaflops with that, and they might want to maximize that money for that. But we'll we'll have to wait and see. The systems aren't expected to uh, come online to 2019, so they're going to procure those fairly quickly, and then and then have them up uh, as early as next year. We'll come back with more updates for our listeners on This Week in HPC when that gets awarded. In the meantime, Michael, I'll just make one other quick announcement that Intersect 360 Research is putting the wraps on all of our market sizing and segmentation for 2017 and updating our forecast 2018 to 2022 for the HPC market. So stand by for news and announcements. I will say it was an interesting year in HPC last year. There are a lot of uh, good trends to put together, and we're looking forward to releasing those. Can't wait to hear about it. All right, Michael, thanks a lot for another interesting week, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.